and welcome to the podcast Cult Hackers. I'm Celine, a media graduate with an interest in cults. And I'm Stephen Mather, organisational psychologist, also interested in cults, and I was a member of a high control group, well, for about 30 years. Mm. Welcome to the podcast, everyone. I'd just like to highlight that that was the smoothest ever we've done the new <laughs> intro, I think. That In was one smooth. take. And um, you might hear that it's slightly different, or it might sound slightly different today, the podcast, because mm. why, Celine? Because we're in the same room. Yes. We only live like 20 minutes away, but we do record these separately for yeah. the quality reasons. But mm. um, I'm here and you just got to deal with it. Yeah, you came round to show me the scratch on your car that you've made. <laughs> yeah, it's devastating. Passed its MOT and then I immediately at the MOT centre proceeded to scrape my car. They did park it in a difficult way. And what I should have done in retrospect is say, could you move that? Yeah. Because the way you've parked that, I'm never getting that out of there. And what I did instead is I tried. I tried and I failed. Yeah. Well, I got it out. The and car's you have, here. You have that moment where you know that either going front or back, you're going yeah. to scrape it further. Yeah, yeah. Well, mm. I hit it. Well, not I didn't hit it. I slowly scraped it. <laughs> and then I went, well, I can't just leave it here. I, did, yeah. I didn't tell you this bit. Mm-hmm. Can't wait for you to laugh at it. I got out and I thought, can I push it <laughs> to the side? As though that this four scraping. weeks of... And also, like, this four weeks of the gym is now maybe strong enough to move an entire vehicle. Like, it is a, it is a, a mm. mini, but minis aren't that they're not small. like they used to be, are they? Not oh, the no, well, they're not a literal tin can. Mm. So, believe it or not, I don't have the ability to sideways push a car. <laughs> Why don't you just not pick it up and just move it across the road? Yeah, mm. well, that was option two, but that also didn't work. No, I didn't try okay. that. Um, you know. All right, okay. So, that's, the, um, the that's, that's why we're in the same room, because yeah. you came round to yeah. show me that. So, I hope you guys found that fun, <laughs> laughing at my expense. But there it is. Yeah. I'm not good at cars. Mm. Okay, so um, that isn't the subject of today's podcast. So what are we what are we going to focus on today, Celine? Well, we had a little chat about mm. what we could talk about. And we said we could talk about men, but we're not ready to talk about men yet. So everyone wait. <laughs> wait for talking men about men. Men are coming up. So yeah. um, we, uh, as most of you know, who's if you're a patron, you will know that um, I do a sort of 20-minute podcast every week. Um, although this week I didn't do it because I wasn't very well. That's fine. But um, I do a podcast every week, which is just for the patrons. Um, and I've covered a couple of subjects, which I've said afterwards, oh, I'd really like to talk to Celine about this. Um, so today we're going to talk about identity. Mm. Um, but there's also a subject that I think is really interesting. I've been reading a book about it, which is uh, Men and Boys and some of the, the challenges um, that they have in education and so on um anyway i won't get into that because no, i, I need to, to preemptively sort of if if knowing that's coming up mm. um people that join us on the patreon mm. um what is it monthly ish our monthly catch-up where we chat with the patrons yes we can, you know feel free if you've got some ideas to suggest mm. um in that about you know if there's any resources about mm. that, that kind of thing or generally but you know or um you know, I'm keen for the community to get involved a bit, you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely, so, suggesting yeah, topics Yeah, suggesting and topics well. and suggesting, mm. like, if you've got particular areas you think we should be covering when mm. talking about the position of men and boys. Um, I'm not actually sure what our split is in terms of listenership from mm. the, like... The demographics. Yeah, the no. demographics. I don't know if we can I find that I suspect there's out. more women, but I don't, I don't know I don't that. I don't know, yeah. Um, 
because we're repping two halves. I mean, the, the mm. thing is, these stats will only show us sort of men and women. We're not going to get non-binary representation because no. these stats don't show that sort of thing at this point. Um, so, it, you know, not that we don't know that that exists, but we're just not going to be able to talk to that. But we'll have a look at that maybe and see. Yeah, it'd be interesting. Um, okay, so that. let's let's crack on with the subject today then. Um, mm-hmm. So identity is all chosen. Yeah. And I did talk about this on the what we call Cult Hackers Extra now, which is the short podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought it was such an interesting subject. And it's almost like a series of, of things I want to talk mm-hmm. about identity. In fact, I bought a big book called... The Handbook of Self and Identity, mm. um, and it's a big academic book, really. Which for a handbook, it's quite large. Isn't yeah, it? <laughs> it's a big, it's a big old handbook, but it kind of summarises um, the state of the the art, really, when it comes to what we know and what we think we know about identity and self, mm-hmm. um, and it's vast, really. Mm. We've got a lot of theories. I mean. How many of those map onto reality? You know, is another question, but. Um, yeah, we know quite a lot about it, and there's lots of debates about the concepts of self and identity. So clearly, it's a big, big important subject when you're talking about being raised in a cult or high control group. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I, where do we start with this subject? Um, have you got any, well, any thoughts? I think so. The reason it's going to be interesting, I think, for us to discuss it as opposed to like. Um, or like the reason it's cool to bring it onto this as well, even when you've already talked about it a little mm. bit on your own, is we can bring two different sort of perspectives. Because yeah. what I said um, ahead of this is it's kind of like we've got two different ways identity was formed. So I've mm. got my identity that's kind of been, let's say, a bit more of an organic, left alone a bit more process. And then your identity, you've had to kind of like reshape reconsider a bit Mm. more active involvement Mm. in your own identity like i feel like i've had a bit of a hands-off approach in my own identity whereas you will have considered yours more um um yeah it's funny i remember i don't remember what age i was when this occurred to me but i'd been left the jehovah's witnesses for many years um and I, i did know that i was struggling a bit i knew that i was still upset about it I knew that I was still struggling to come to terms with with it all but I couldn't I didn't know why and I don't know like a light from the blue this is before I did any mm. psychology studies so it must be kind of in the early uh, noughties I suppose um, but I remember thinking to myself identity that's the problem mm. uh, and I just sort of realized that I didn't know who I was mm. um, and that was useful to realise, to recognise that that was one of my problems, mm-hmm. is that I was struggling to know who I was. So, yeah, I think, um, yeah, we are very different in that. I've done a lot of identity work. I've thought about who I am. I've I've um, considered that. Where probably most people don't. Mm. Um, if, you, if you never have left a, a group that kind of controls your identity so much, I think you probably don't think about it much. Yeah, and I think yeah, when you've been in, yeah, when you've been in situations where your identity has been masked or mm. controlled, um, so I'm sure a lot of people that have been in um, sort of abusive relationships yeah. will feel mm. that as well, because mm. there's a pressure to kind of perform a certain way or be a yeah. certain way, mm. um, and because there's consequences if you don't. So I think 
that mm. that's why it kind of is interesting to come across because also like we've said in not just from leaving these high control groups but even when you're within them but not hitting that identity yeah. that they want mm. you end up being on the outer edge so there are consequences mm. um to to having your own identity or to choosing choosing an identity that's not what they would like you to yeah, so um, I think a deceptively difficult question that we perhaps should start with is what do we mean when we talk about identity? You know, what are we actually mm. talking about? But the thing is, it's quite a woolly mm. subject, I guess, to pinpoint down because identity is very broad. You could put that you could put that down to just categorization. Right, that's very that's very insightful, Celine, mm. because that is at the heart of. Um, what psychologists think about really so I'm coming at this from a scientific psychological Mm -hmm. perspective Um, if you're talking about a like a mental health or a counsellor's or psychoanalyst perspective they'll talk about identity in quite a different way Mm. Um, this is one of the problems with psychology it's such a broad subject Um, two psychologists will will talk about it in completely different ways Um, I'm going to talk more about it in terms of social science than in terms of um, how a, a counsellor mm-hmm. or, or a mental health professional might. But yeah, categorisation is, is in a way at the heart of identity. Mm-hmm. And the, the reason I think of that is because if someone said, if someone says, how do you identify? Mm then you kind of give them a list of things so how do you how do i identify someone might say you know female mm. straight you know mm. or gay or do you know what i mean mm. like so there's there's some quick lists basically right. that you mm. can come up with yeah um, and and some people don't some people don't like that but then that's almost part of the identity as well to say well i don't really identify <laughs> do you know what i mean so right. um, it's all very mm. interesting no, it is. It's um, it's about categorisation at the heart of it. And mm. as human beings, it's almost the thing that we instinctively do. I think categorisation and storytelling. Once you said those two, um, you've almost described humanity mm. um, as separate from intelligent um, creatures. You know, so some some of the creatures are very intelligent. Our dog's intelligent. Um, uh, you know, you might even look at primates, um, chimpanzees and bonobos, they're intelligent. Um, but I think their sense of, of ability to categorise things, um, yeah, they probably do it a bit, um, but I think it's that that makes us, we just categorise everything, you know, we have to put everything into a, some sort of box or, you know, um, in science we, we might we might call that a taxonomy, but in, in everyday life we just do it constantly. Mm. Um I'm just going to refer to this book, um, and it's chapter 23 that I'm referring to today. Um, I'm going to keep coming back to this book, so we'll look at it from different angles. But today, um, I thought this was quite an interesting reference. Um, A couple of psychologists called Brewer and Gardner talk about three types of self. And uh, those are the individual self, the relational self, and the collective self. So the individual self is all the traits that we might ascribe to ourselves. So, you know, like you just said, um, mm. 
maybe my gender, maybe my sexuality, maybe what I do for a living, colour eyes I've got, how tall I am, all of those. These are personal traits. Yeah, extroverted, introverted. Yeah. Just not all, yeah. That's right, yeah. And um, these are the things that, if we think about psychological traits, these are the things that we are so fascinated by when we do a a personality test, Mm -hmm. you know. That's why people love them so much. I'm always... Uh, disappointed when I see people with their Myers Briggs four letters oh, on their like Twitter identity. Yeah. I don't know what they are. Yeah. That could be anything. Well, it's just you know you've got introvert, extrovert, mm. and, all, and I mean we've talked about Myers Briggs before, um, but nevertheless people are fascinated by them, and there are some good ones um, that are based on the Big Five personality traits, which we've talked about before. Mm. Um, but yeah, we're fascinated by it because we, we want to know what our traits are so somehow we can categorise ourselves and that's that's our personal self or our individual self. But we've also got this relational self, which is the way that we relate to others, which is a lot of where social psychology is interested, is how we relate to other people. Um, so... It's almost mm-hmm. like if you can imagine if you were on a desert island um, with no nobody else on the island. Um, I think there's some ways of thinking about that. that in, a, in a way, yourself would disappear. Mm. Obviously, you'd still have an individual self, but without, without other selves, without other people to compare yourself with, then your identity sort of washes away mm. it's difficult to imagine our identity yeah. without other people it's interesting because a lot of um i've seen a lot of content about this actually about oh, okay. um no well, specifically people being like oh i really like your personality and their response being thanks i made this one specifically for you <laughs> <laughs> or yeah. i'm mirroring you and that's mm. why you like me yeah. <laughs> or things like that um mm. and that i guess is some of that's coming from like the sort of ADHD or autism kind of content mm. thing where they're saying like um, to to kind of to make so- yeah mm. and to make socialising easier mm. they they kind of tailor they and oh, but with an awareness mm. they will tailor themselves to particular people yeah. and they're like it's really tiring actually um, yeah. just to make it so that you know I don't get those awkward and difficult social interactions mm. um, they'll sort of emulate the person either that they're with or a pati- or they'll kind of pull certain aspects of themselves out that they know that that person responds well to. Mm. I think we said before, we'd, we'd really love to talk to a lever um, of a high control group. We may have done so already, but um, who would be willing to talk about their really, autism. Yeah, and to speak to that mm. specifically, yeah. you know, and that, how that that's influenced. Very, and yeah, it yeah. must mm-hmm. be quite a different experience um, in itself, really. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, if, if our yeah. listeners, if there's anybody there that would like to talk about that and mm-hmm. um, that has experienced that as somebody with um, with autism or on the spectrum, yeah. I think that would be quite interesting mm-hmm. to know what that experience is like or at least understand or hear somebody talk about that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that's the relational self. And then the third self is the collective self. Mm-hmm. So that's at the group level. Um, this is the way that you identify with a particular group mm-hmm. like you know you might be a manchester city supporter mm-hmm. football supporter or you might support 
Your association with others. Isn't yeah, it? Um, mm. and but it's at the group level. So mm-hmm. it's it's when you're thinking, you know, I am, or even your your profession. Let's say you know, I'm a teacher. I'm mm-hmm. a doctor. Um, and so you're identifying with a with a big group there. So, from let, I'm going to say this. I'm going to mm. see how wacky it sounds, or okay. if you can like vibe with it. Let's cool. see. So I'm seeing it as like. Say you've got a stats board, right? You, and you get points. Okay. You can distribute your points wherever you want, and that's up to you, right? So let's say identity has got three stats, and okay. you've got a hundred points, and you can okay. distribute your points across, right, okay. right? I would say maybe the reason that after leaving a cult you feel like you don't have an identity is because when you're in a cult, a lot of your points go into mm. the third pot. So maybe like in an ideal world, they would be maybe equally weighted or they'd be more weighted in the first one that's more like to do with yourself and how you see yourself maybe that's where you want more more of your points i don't know Mm. and then the second one is how you deal on an individual level with other people more and then the third one's the more big group relational which maybe you don't want to put too many points in but (laughs) counterproductively in a cult group Mm. it's more the other way around you're Mm. you're putting more of your stats let's say (laughs) Yeah, it's a very interesting way to think about it. Um, I mean, you, you're not you're not wrong because no, you, you well, can't just, be wrong. No, really. it's just a way of thinking. Yeah, about that's it. right. Yeah, but do you know what I mean? Mm, with that? I do, and and I think you know, moving on to why cults are so profound for an individual does relate, you know, mm-hmm. to what you just said. You know, I I think that a cult digs into self at all three of those levels, mm-hmm. though. So if you think about the individual self, you are constantly being told to put on the new personality, make yourself new. Um, You're told to suppress or repress certain characteristics that you might naturally have. You know, homosexuality or being gay is is a great example of that. You know, that is just not an option Mm. um, as a fundamentalist Christian, for instance, mm-hmm. like a Jehovah's Witness. Um, but in other groups, it might be that, you know, you you have to behave in a certain way. You have to say yes to the leader's sexual advan- advances at any time they want to, you know. So I think they dig into who you are, and you're often told you're rubbish or you're no good. So the cult is attacking that sense of individual self. You're no good. You're worthless. You're a sinner. You can't do it unless you're part of the group. So yeah, if you think about the distribution of points, mm. um, then they're trying to. I would agree that a cult is trying to reduce the salience of the individual self. Mm. Very much, yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's good. Good way of thinking about it. Mm. Um, if you think about relationships too, though, so your relational self is is also. Um, very much determined you know mm. who who can be your friends yeah. um, and how you think about them so often cults will change your name for instance or if they don't change your name they might insist that you call each other brother and sister or mm-hmm. creating a kind of familial relationship that isn't really there um, so how you relate to others is, is very much under attack as well mm-hmm. Um, and then the collective self, yeah, I mean that, that's a very a very profound thing f- 
for a member of a cult you know the the being part of that cult trumps everything really doesn't it mm-hmm. and it it's also it creates a very strong us and them situation yeah so you've got this sense of an in-group and an out-group mm. and it's very very strong and i think with with some people as well that has more impact isn't it some people feel more like not just in cults just generally here um people some people feel very connected to their groups don't mm. they so like mm. in their identity through that group mm. like some people like hold a lot of stock in you know things like veganism or vegetarianism mm. and that's like part of their identity and being able yeah. to set part of that group mm. is like really important and like the fear of not being able to say that is is tremendous you know mm. and then for some people they don't really feel that and i don't know um you know the weight of the weight of being part of a group some people really feel it and really feel under pressure with that and some people don't as much but uh, yeah and i think that's right and um you know we we often dig have a dig at social media don't we mm. um but i think that that is so powerful because essentially it is a group forming um i've talked about this before you know that in, i liken twitter to the sorting hat when mm. harry potter goes into mm-hmm. his school and they all have to get sorted into a a house um and i think that's what twitter does it it's like it, actually what the algorithm is trying to do is is categorize it seems to me and separate everybody into um, an optimum mm. group. Don't know these days. It's gone to chaos, isn't it? <laughs> well, <yeah. laughs> but maybe back yeah. in the day. <laughs> mm. yeah, yeah, but but I mean, it's clearly good at doing that in terms of um, TikTok and Instagram mm. does that. So the more you engage with the platform, the more it knows what to present you with. Mm. So my content on Reels is basically animals, babies, and food, <laughs> and I love it that way. <laughs> oh, and yeah. it was recently started showing me more gym content. Because I've started right. engaging with that more okay. since going to the gym. Yeah, yeah. So, like, those are the things that mm. yeah. right. I get. Like, Alright. I think my, probably quite similar, really. Yeah. A lot of a lot of animals yeah. doing funny things. A lot of parrots talking. Yeah, yeah you probably get more <laughs> parrot content. Yeah. yeah, but it's true. They, um, th- these systems are... They're very good at it. Yeah, they're, they're, but, but they're YouTube keen in. YouTube was really evil, though, because mm. YouTube was doing the thing where it instead will work out what you like mm. and then start serving you up like your opposite thing that to will rile you up. Yeah, mm. and then it will keep you on the platform because for some reason mm. we stay on for ages. <laughs> if it's something we hate, we'll stay on for even longer than if it was the dogs and the puppies and the babies. Mm. Yeah, Pres- Presuming you love the dogs, the puppies and the babies. Yeah. yeah. But um, yeah, so th- and apparently that taps into, um, especially that was prevalent with like the, with the uh, sort of, conspiracy theory mm. kind of like mm. flat earthing yeah apparently it was pointed out as one of the big problems mm. um and someone else actually they talked about on their youtube though where they were experiencing it firsthand where they were making content about being trans and mm. their content was being served to like anti-trans right. people yeah. because of that algorithm and they were getting extreme amounts of hate mm. and you know recently you ex Google employees, because it's Google, isn't it, YouTube, mm. have come out and said, yeah, this is something we were 100% were doing. But Google's like, no, we definitely weren't. And they're like, well, mm. we, we definitely were. Um, may, you know, anecdotally, people are saying, well, I experienced that. My content was definitely being served to people <laughs> that didn't yeah. want it. And yeah, it's this in-group, mm. out-group. Yeah. yeah. It, you know, 
like you said, JWs, when they get really excited about like when things go wrong with other groups, mm. and they can point at it and be like, look how awful they are. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. Know. absolutely. It, it's, a, it's a very powerful human tendency. And there's something called the accentuation effect that I think is quite interesting. I'll try and try and explain it. Um, they're found in experiments. When, when you ask people to just sort of make a judgment about something like, how long is this line or something like that, mm. a very simple judgment they'll make a judgment. But if you say, um, how long is this line, and it has certain other characteristics, mm. they will misjudge the length of the line, or they will they will change what their perception is about that thing if it belongs to a, a category that has mm. something to say about it. So in other words, you kind of have a, a sort of stereotyping mm-hmm. effect. Like, as soon as you think, oh, that belongs to that category, therefore it must be like this. Mm. So we're so alert to it, even in experiments, you can very easily create situations where that's exposed. Um, And I mean, that's what the minimal groups experiment was about, the Henry Tajfell experiment where he separated kids into two groups. And this has been replicated over and over again with different scenarios. For his original ones, it was two paint types of painting um and he said this these are this is a group that likes this type of painting and this is a group that likes that they didn't actually it was just randomly done um but just telling them that made them start to mm-hmm. favor their group over the out group mm-hmm. so they gave points or money to the the in group why it was why it was hilarious that my school literally created x side and y side yeah <laughs> why did they do that yeah so tell us about that because that's quite an interesting yeah i don't know maybe we were part of some sort of <laughs> horrible social experiment <laughs> i don't know but yeah so there was x side which was basically told um you're clever um, and then there was Y side that was basically told, and you're not. <laughs> um, you're, uh, so it's like obviously schools in England. I don't know if every school does this because do t- different places do take different mm. approaches. But in England, we do a set based pr- um, splitting where there's you know. So we'd maths. call that streaming, really. Wouldn't yeah. We? yeah. So in maths, if you're particularly good at maths, you'll be in top set, mm. and if you're poorer at maths, you'll be in bottom set. And yeah. obviously, by de facto, there's a middle set mm. where you're just sort of scooting by. Um, so normally, you just do that kind of approach, and you'll split the groups mm. like that by subject. By subject. Uh, so you might be, you know, in bottom set maths, and, and you'll mix with the people that are not so good at maths, but you might be top set English. Mm. So you'll you'll get a broader mix, mm. right? because of the whole populace of the school. Mm. However, what they did is they split the school again. So they did do the streaming, but they also split the school in half. Mm. So if you were genuinely considered to be underperforming or poorer, <laughs> mm. um, you were put in Y side. Um, and you would So effectively, that's like the lower sets, and then they'll have their own streaming within that. Right. But you're already one tier below. Mm. And then X side is, you know... Quite, quite the smarter side, mm. and you'll get your again your own sub streaming from there, um, and that was the way that was done. Mm. Uh, but it meant that there was definitely in group and out group between mm. X side and Y side because normally you don't really know much about it. It's done mm. kind of like you just get put in your set, and they don't mm. necessarily say you're worse or better or whatever. Or mm. you, they, they, you might be told, okay, this is top set, so you'll be mm. learning. You, you'll be aware you're learning more than maybe your friend is mm. um, to a higher level or because or you'll be getting more 
time and effort. The class will be suited differently, but you're not normally split just by aptitude. General so, aptitude. Yeah, no. general aptitude. Mm. That's what it was split. That's really interesting. So X side and Y side was general aptitude mm. across the board, and then oh, I didn't know this until you told us. Well, because later. it was standard as far as we were concerned. Mm. That's how it was. Mm. Um, the the thing that was also bad about it is the teachers gave preference. Yeah. So because there was kids that were considered to have a good aptitude, they mm. would give more effort. Because if me and um, mm. if when we talk between X side and Y side now as adults, yeah, <laughs> um, about the differences in our classes, I thought my classes were bad at the time. Like mm. you know some <laughs> of the the behaviour and the, mm. and the the level of teaching, it was worse on Y side. No. Oh yeah, it was terrible. They just weren't doing anything. Like it was <laughs> completely. Well, why? kind of why bother mm. they've already been decided as being yeah mm. less capable and there wasn't there yeah. was a lot i'm sure the teachers effort. would deny that but um but it's hard i think what we like, know that's yeah, right because of what mm. you've just said with this line mm. thing you know that's right. this this bias basically yeah. that happened because of that so the teachers you know based on whatever they decided said these are the aptitudes yeah and the kids that went on to gifted and talented there's something else in England that we do, the gifted and talented. Oh, Did you hear about, do you remember this? I know that those terms exist, but I yeah. didn't realise there was a whole kind of formal yeah, there's, yeah, process. There's, a, there's the gifted and talented group, which is like <laughs> so many students will be decided as being likely, that you're gifted right. and talented, you're likely to do well. Mm. Um, so I was part of the gifted and talented really? group. Yeah, yeah. For, for history. History. I shouldn't sound so surprised, should I? No. Well, it's, yeah, because I wasn't very good at maths, but I was good at um, mm. other things. But I, I was a top performer in history, so mm. I was in the gifted and talented. But you know what that means? You get extra support and more yeah. more, more one-on-one um, -on -one time with teachers, extra support. Like, you get more. Mm. And surely that's just stupid. <laughs> You're already doing well. Yeah. We will now do like prep work for getting you into particular universities um you know for doing well in your exams but you know yeah that that sounds when you think about it i mean I, you can understand the um the motivations for this sort of thing but it it does it does create exactly what you just described doesn't it mm -hmm. and um yeah, if you're in that group, you're you're bound to feel yeah. a certain way, and the teachers are going to feel a certain way about the, you. The Y side was the scary, chavvy ones, <laughs> um, and and you know the um, X side were the boffins, as mm. as were referred to. That's really you interesting. So, I mean, that that sounds was, like a natural experiment. Well, yeah, and it? there was things that were like differentiating, like oh, the Y side kids always, you know, have their ties low when they're like cool. And the and oh yeah, and the X side kids will wear their, their uniform properly and be. So you you talked about that, did you? Well, not at the time, but like okay. once you get to sixth form, right. you can because that well at a certain point, you can't continue streaming so much because you start picking subjects, don't you? And right, yeah. And and eventually the group is not big enough mm. to split in this way anymore. Mm. Also, I think now they split it. In a different way, they call it North and South. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but they, I think it's done in a bit more of a, um, it's done in a bit more of a considered way right, now. Okay. It's, it doesn't sound quite as horrific, but um, <laughs> it was definitely it's strange. A thing. Um, I remember this is kind of going off topic a bit. We'll come back to identity, folks. Honest, I mean, obviously, what you this said is, is identity, yeah, but, yeah. but my little um, anecdote. 
Um, I remember at school, um, I I remember going in, and normally you'd get handed all the book, you know, your textbook and your your workbook rather, um, to to carry on doing your work for the next lesson. Mm. So you'd come into the classroom, and you'd pick up your book from the pile. And then you start doing whatever work it was. Um, and I noticed that I, I kept going into these classrooms and my book wasn't there. Mm. So I'd look for my book and it, my text, my um, workbook, and it wasn't there. And I'd say, excuse me, sir, um, my book uh, isn't here. And he'd say, oh, just a minute. Um, sorry, I forgot about that. And he, he'd go um, into his drawer and he'd find mm. my book. And that happened in maths. And then... Then it happened in English, and then it happened in something else. Mm-hmm. And I started to get a bit paranoid. I started to think, well, why? What's going on? So I had a word with the teacher. I said, one of the teachers I said, look, uh, why is this happening? What's yeah. going on? You know? <laughs> and he said, oh, you see, yeah, you're actually part of a study mm-hmm. um, that we're not supposed to tell you about. It's just to, um, I guess, I think I was considered to be kind of, I suppose, fairly average mm-hmm. um, as a student, maybe. So... Uh, for whatever reason, I got chosen to be the one that they were they were just checking mm-hmm. my work and seeing what I was up to. I guess I never actually really did find out what the what the study was about. Mm. But I thought it was quite interesting how um, it was a good example of how a study can have detrimental mm-hmm. effects. Mm-hmm. Um, just something as simple as that started getting me worried or paranoid, thinking, you know, what what is it about me mm. that they keep checking? You know. Um, so yes, yeah, it's, it's not all that relevant, but um, oh, it's kind interesting, of interesting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's a couple of things that I want to bring up um, that I think is quite interesting. That's quite interesting. Um, there's a positive-negative asymmetry around in-group and out-group. So by that, what we mean, um, the in-group is favoured to give rewards to, but not reducing punishment to the in-group. So if somebody on the in-group does something wrong we don't um, reduce punishment for them just because they're part of the in-group. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So we'll give rewards more to the in-group, but we don't punish the in-group any less. Yeah. So in terms of this, like if we use the school example before, yeah, yeah we would get more rewards or like opportunities because of being in that G&T, gifted and talented group. But if you did do something wrong in class, you could still get detention. That's right. Um, but what is interesting is that that effect disappears when the group is felt to be under threat. Mm. So at that point, people are punished less who are part of the group. So I think that's really significant if we think about cults. Mm -hmm. So in a cult, what do cults do? Um, They create this very us and them, we're being persecuted, Mm. we're at risk sort of attitude. And they create a kind of you know, batten down the hatches, we're under threat type attitude. I mean, JWs are famous at this, you know, always talking about persecution. Of course, some, sometimes persecution happens to all groups. Um, but, you know, these groups are seeing persecution everywhere. But, of course, what that does is it, it creates a real thickness of wanting to be part of that group. And it makes you feel protected and hedged off from from the rest of the of the world which i think is really interesting that's what that's what cults do um so festinger who's a name we know from our um studies into cults we did a, an episode going back 
probably a couple of years now where mm. we reviewed his book. Do you remember? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Um, that was the 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 UFO group. Yeah. That he, he, um, but he's he's quite well known in in terms of course, but he's also an organisational psychologist, and he um, noted that in group effects, look for similarities. So you're all the time looking for similarities. Again, this this goes exactly what you're saying about the tie thing. Um, oh, look, this in-group, they they look a bit like this. And if you're mm. in part of the in-group, you'll look for similarities. Um, Tajfel found that if you're looking at another group, you're looking for differences. Mm. So this has the effect of, of driving apart these two groups. So again, natural tendency is for groups to move apart because you're always looking for similarities on your in-group and you're looking for differences on the out-group so you more and more start to feel that these are so different Mm. Um, and again this is this is at the heart of racism um, at the heart of all of these sorts of Mm -hmm. damaging social problems that we have I think and and it very much relates to to cults really check out witnessunderground.com about artists who've escaped cults. We have three different forms of journalism, from a film, a YouTube series, and a podcast. The podcast is very active. We're launching season two, January 2023. And the story link on that site talks about the body of work that we've already created and what we're continuing to create, the mission, the intention, and our artist grant application where you can submit to take home $1,000 to work on your art project on the topic. The only criteria would be that you have a great idea, that our panel awards but also that you have some association with this particular religion, Jehovah's Witnesses, at some point in your life. doesn't matter how long it's been. And we also have a blog, a regular writing series. The press has been really interesting. When we did our film festival run in 2021, we got a lot of press. We were on a lot of radio programs and a lot of podcasts. And you can see all of that content there, which is really exciting. And it's fun to have launched this new website. And the art page will have shortly all of our products we have for sale from t-shirts to the music from all the bands in the film to artists who are actively making new music that we've highlighted on the podcast and films that you can watch from other activists. It's an exciting time to be launching the grant and the new site and the film. That should be out in April. We're launching it. The target date for release is ahead of the Jehovah's Witness holiday that they call the Memorial and the Jewish people call it a Passover event. So April 4th is the actual date, and we are shooting for ahead of that for a public release, ideally on ad-based services such as Tubi for you to watch. So stay, stay ahead of that, pay attention to the website, subscribe on the website, subscribe to the YouTube channel, and search on YouTube for Witness Underground Podcast. That's where we've been launching everything. We have just launched on Buzzsprout as a distribution, so we should be on Spotify shortly. Thank you so much for following. Like, subscribe, share as much as you can. And let any artist that you know who has any affiliation with this religion, that they can apply for the $1,000 grant that we are putting together as a goodwill to the community and an exciting way to bring new art to the community that is part of the healing process. Thanks for sticking around and check out witnessunderground.com. If you're enjoying the podcast, you can support it by becoming a patron. You can support the podcast for just £1 or $1.50 and receive a variety of Patreon benefits as a thank you. Don't forget to share the podcast, follow, like, subscribe and rate the podcast on the podcast app you're using. 
A review is particularly helpful as it gets us recognised by new listeners. And finally, if you'd like to reach out to us and tell us about some court hacking you've been involved in or you just want to say hi, you can do so by going to courthackers.com and using the contact form. We love hearing from our court hackers. Thank you for listening and now back to the podcast. And finally, there's a hypothesis I want to share with you. Um, And this is the assumption of the fundamental need for positive self-esteem. So this is at the heart of our need for groups. It's because we are looking for self-esteem. And of course, we've, we've talked about categorization, a very fundamental human drive. But I suppose coupled to that is this need for self-regard, uh, this need to feel that you are you know, something worthwhile, this self-esteem. And if you have low self-esteem, then you look for groups. You look for groups to belong to. That's not to say that only, only lonely people join cults. Of course not. But it can be something that cults kind of draw on to, mm-hmm. to get people to join. That's why they target universities and other places where like people might be on their own. Yeah, stuff, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, w- what are the challenges for um, an individual then, do you think, when they leave a group that has basically got itself involved in all of those? elements of self your sense of your personhood your sense of your relationships to others and this group Mm. when you leave what what is what is the work you've got to do there i think starting at point one to the very like individual personality level um i think there's i think there's going to be like overcoming trauma for step one yeah because you will have been yourself will almost be like traumatizing like you Mm. because aspects or elements of you were probably quashed (laughs) Mm. and reprimanded for yeah and you know you might be embarrassed about parts of yourself you might feel shame about parts of Mm. yourself so to then rewire i guess and work through Mm. actually that about me is good Mm. and nice and Mm. i like that you know that's going to be difficult and that is overcoming trauma i would say Mm. um so I think that's going to be the, the hard thing there. Um, so that that reminds me of um, Jilly Jenkinson's introjects, mm-hmm. doesn't it? This is mm-hmm. what she's talking about with these introjects. These are parts of you that um, you kind of have adopted as mm-hmm. part of your persona Yeah. that actually are not naturally part of your persona. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the things that naturally are part of your persona, you might have been shamed for. So, yeah. Um, I get this is, you know, quite common with people that grow up as well with um, sort of like being neurodivergent. So mm. people that they might have been shamed for being really loud as a child. Mm. And and now their response to that, that interject, you might say, is to be really quiet mm. and very shy unless they trust you. <laughs> you know, so then the overcoming there is in your personality is maybe you are a really loud person and that's okay (laughs) it's fine but you feel quite traumatized Mm. to be yourself because Mm. people have told you that's really embarrassing or Mm. like you know what why are you doing that or like be quiet like stop you know you've been Mm. put down Mm. for parts of yourself or you know when you might have been sort of you might do certain things so let's bring it back to cults mm. in this instance. You might, as a woman, 
in a cool group you might be a natural leader you might yeah. be a very leader focused person you're mm. good at taking charge and le- like taking ownership of a group but that's been smashed out of you yeah um and so you might be you know you might be a bit traumatized to bring that part back mm. out of yourself and okay. to unpack the 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 um submissive mm. personality but that's not necessarily who you actually are um, so i think that that's kind of that kind of work through of them working through those trauma points i guess mm. of like things about yourself that you have put away yeah. or removed um yeah that's and now yeah and now you're afraid to mm. be mm. i think that's the thing so um you might feel like the anxiety when you start behaving like that, or you might notice. I, I guess the quick way of noticing is if you're, you behave a certain way. Obviously, when you don't know people, you do put on a slight level of airs. But mm. there's some things that you don't need to put on airs about. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. That you might notice. You you only let very few people in mm. to see this part of yourself. So I think in terms of mm. that. I don't know if you've got anything you want to say to that bit before we go on to like yeah yeah I, I mean I definitely recognize that I think um for me one of those uh things was you know not to think too much of yourself you know mm. so um don't get above yourself you know don't get um uh well I mean there's uh, we've talked about this before I think and Riley's talked about it with us mm. as well um there's a scripture somewhere that says paraphrasing um but you know not to think of yourself um any more than it is necessary to think and that's not puritany yeah and that's not just um uh looking after yourself it's it's talking about not being big-headed basically Mm. you know everybody needs a certain amount of ego that's acknowledged but um not to you know not to overdo it i mean there's a bit of also national uh cultural stuff there as well Mm -hmm. you know as a as british people we kind of have that as a bit of a a trope anyway you know we we don't like to um to say too much about ourselves you know that is kind of a lot of a lot of us have that kind mm. of emotional stunt yeah anyway. <laughs> yeah well and, and it's not just like in you know to say that just people that have been in cults will experience right. this you know of course, then yeah. the world is a cruel place <laughs> <laughs> and um sometimes mm. you know i think especially though for for born-ins this is where it's particularly difficult because mm. this is where I think as a child when your natural behaviour is kind of poo-pooed <laughs> yeah. you, you do take it mm. quite to heart um, I think you know yeah I think and there's, it's interesting isn't it I mean um, I was I think uh, referred to as quite a sensitive child because I would cry yes. I'm allowed to cry and it's fine <laughs> you know what I mean and I'll be yeah. like if I cry I'm like I'm sorry that I'm crying I'm just nothing I'm not trying to get anything out of yeah, it yeah. I'm just I just cry and I can't help it and it's yeah. fine <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know we all have those elements I suppose um that you work through as an adult as well because sometimes yeah it's, it's as a as a child everything feels very big and if you layer on top of that cultic upbringing <laughs> it's just a lot worse isn't it because well yeah I mean, it coming from its... multiple angles yeah that's with, right with, yeah. with agenda <laughs> absolutely yeah because people say things that sometimes people take on more you know like just in passing some and, and children like latch onto things yeah. but it's when you're in a cult group mm. 
it's not just saying things well, in targeted, passing. It's targeted, isn't it? That's it's what I mean. It's not just saying it in passing. It, exactly. It's yeah. it's mm. it's a you know a clear desire. Mm, absolutely. So yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, that's so that that I think you've described that really really well, Celine. Actually. Mm. Um, what about the social self, the mm-hmm. related self? So like. Your one-on-one kind of yeah, you to another yeah dyads as they call group. it yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah so I think again this is probably the first word that comes to my head would be trust I guess so it's if I'm thinking about this it's kind of I guess linking in with I guess in the in the cult group it's there's a lot of lack of trust isn't mm. there with being yourself. It's a, there's a lot of putting on it almost feels more like you're putting on the personality in those instances mm. it's, you know because it's this one on one you're testing each other it's this um it's in the handmaid's tale they talk about how they put you in groups of two so you know, yeah. the handmaids always travel mm. in twos and it's not to give you company mm. so you'll can keep an eye on each other yes um mm. you know mm. so you say the scripts you know that's that's right yeah you, all of those little cliches yeah. um praise be and and all of that yeah um and i think that that's very true in mm. in cults you have a, a language that you mm-hmm. you adopt that you speak um yeah that's that's right and you don't even in the end you don't even notice it um, no. because it's part of it again it's part of your identity but it only comes out because of the the social self, mm. yeah, you're absolutely right. And mm. there's a there's a performative element mm-hmm. to this. Um, I, sp- I was speaking yesterday to somebody who's going to come on the podcast shortly, um, but he is doing a PhD in um, I can't remember the exact title, but it's it's around performative acts in cults and high control groups, mm-hmm. which is absolutely fascinating. And as soon as we started talking about that, we could have been there all day because, you know, he makes the point that he said, I haven't been into Kingdom Hall, but if I go in there, I'm sure there would be certain it's laid out in a certain way. People do certain things. And, and of course, you know, yeah, there's definitely. a platform there and the way you greet each other. I saw someone at and, a wedding and I was like, oh, mm, that's at a Kingdom Hall. Yeah. I don't know which Kingdom Hall, mm. but I know it was. <laughs> yeah. Um, I know that I know that was definitely a JW wedding. Yeah. <laughs> And it's it's like it's almost it, well it is performative and I think a lot of the behaviours of groups in members in cults are performative. They're partly for um, to signal to other members, uh, look, I'm part of this group. I'm part of this mm-hmm. this uh, whatever they would describe it as, um, and I'm really faithful. I'm following what the leader has told me or the leaders have told me to do. But it's also part of your self-identity because you're almost doing it to prove to yourself that you yeah. really do believe it. Yeah. Did you feel like so I, again? I feel like I feel like I'm talking a lot about being neurodivergent in this episode, but I think it's because it's there's a lot of like the way that the way that I guess um, neurodivergent people talk about having to be very aware mm. of following <laughs> the rules mm. and watching to yes. make sure that they're doing the right thing and they can see if someone goes off script and making sure they stay on script, mm. you know. Um, and I, I guess the reason that's coming up is because, as well, they'll talk a lot about being very tired after these kind of situations because of what they call masking. So when they're trying to make sure that mm. they're presenting the right way, it's called masking, like yeah. masking yourself to come across as typical mm. and, and to just 
no one's going to notice then. Yeah. Um, did you did you feel like you would come home from stuff like the meetings and be tired from kind of this presenting this showmanship almost? Absolutely. Yeah. But I think I think um, lots of situations that you find yourself in, it's like that. Mm. You, whenever wherever you're performing. After a performance, you feel tired. And mm-hmm. yes, I, I do recognise that. Um, assemblies were, were, was another good example. Mm-hmm. You know, All day, you might be in a convention, in mm-hmm. a, a football ground or something, and um, you'd have to be kind of on all day as a Jehovah's Witness. And you're encouraged to be on all the time. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, even if you went to buy some mints or something from the corner shop, you know, they would recognise that mm. you were going to that convention mm-hmm. and you're encouraged to wear your lapel badge mm-hmm. everywhere because you can give a good witness. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, same at school, you know, when I was at school, that was be a good witness, be a good witness yeah. at work, be a good witness. See, that's tiring. Yeah. So it they're, is they're, tiring. Yeah, they're telling mm. you to... So, you know, for, for a lot of us that, you know... So being that quite quite typical, you go out mm. and you just you're not thinking. Well, I need to come across right. as normal, quote yeah. unquote. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So of course that's exhausting, but mm. it's like with being a witness, they're making all of you do that right. all, the time. all the time. Yeah. So it's not oh I need to be normal and I don't want to have those conversations about why I'm not being normal. I just want to come across mm. normal. Instead, it's you know. I need to be the exemplar witness absolutely all the yeah. time. Yeah. So I think masking mm. um, was definitely. It's a great, mm-hmm. it's a great point. And um, leaving means um, starting to, I suppose, do that noticing. Yeah. So it's almost like you described that neurodivergent mm-hmm. person having to notice the way that they mm-hmm. behave in a certain way. I think when you leave, you start to do that. You start to think, well, actually, you know, it's so great that I don't have to think about that mm-hmm. when I'm at work or when I'm at school. I don't have to be a good witness. I yeah. can just be me. You yeah. Know? yeah. And everybody worries about their own reputation to a degree. But yeah, because I think people have said that's scary when they've said, I've stopped, I'm trying to stop masking now because mm. it's... It's not to the benefit of me because I come home yeah. shattered yeah. and it's like mentally draining. Mm. Um, and they've said, you know, for a bit it's anxiety inducing mm. to be like, I'm just going to be me. Yeah. And people will either like me or they won't like me. Mm. And that's what it is. And if they don't like me because I'm not quote unquote normal or what they think I should be doing, well, that's them. And it's not me that's the problem. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's, mm. that's a part of the journey. And that's mm. quite scary as well. So. I think it is, and it takes time. Yeah, you know, all of this takes time. Um, I certainly feel like I experienced that. All right, so the, the third one then, yeah. which was the um, at the kind of group level, mm-hmm. um, leaving a group, leaving a cult, um, what job is there to do there then? So, like I said, I think you will have overspent points <laughs> mm. in this third category. Mm. So all of a sudden you've got a lot of points <laughs> that you've got to spend. You can put them somewhere. Do you know what I mean? You can... And what's the risk there? 
oh, all of the other things that are like, put your points in this. That's right, yeah. You can become a yoga like <laughs> legend. You can decide the earth is flat now. Yeah, you'd be, yeah, you know. you'd be an ML, um, um, multi-level marketing yeah. god. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Yeah, All of these things that will try mm. and exploit your mm. points. They desperately want your points. <laughs> but they're your points. God damn it. <laughs> it's a great, it's mm. a great illustration, Celine. Yeah. Um, if you were doing a, a talk, I'd be marking you mm-hmm. good on the use of illustrations. Nice. <laughs> But I'm just, you know, it's mm. good you can visualise it, right? Yeah. So, yeah, but so maybe, you know, you want to put them wholeheartedly for a bit. Also, bear in mind, it, it, taking this illustration further, but for the first time ever, you can distribute them however you like, whenever you like. Mm. So when you first come out, you might want to 100% go in on just you and who you are and really mm. digging about very personally, not about how you relate to others, not about how you relate to groups, just about how you relate to yourself. Mm. And you might be doing that. Or you might be really excited to engage with all of these people in a way mm. you've not been able to before and play around in all these groups. Like you mm. might like, am I a person that likes badminton? I was never able to go because I had to go to the group every Tuesday. <laughs> yes. And now you can. Um, yeah. You know, I think when we spoke to the Cora guy, mm. he was... Mark. Yeah, yeah. Mm. He was very, like, interesting to talk to because he's... Basically, he's found all this time that he can now invest in passions. Like he's mm. been doing psychology, learning French, because he's yeah. always got all this time. Mm. Um, and there's no negative correlation That's between right. him spending it on this instead of spiritual things, you know. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's really scary because in one aspect you feel like you're losing your identity mm. and you're losing this part of yourself, but you're also gaining anything you want now you know in terms of what you want to link to and get interested in you might become someone that loves dog agility i don't know do you know what i mean like yeah you could do you can do anything well this is this is true um it doesn't have to be so like desperately like attached to you like it's the fabric of you the way you relate to groups in Mm. this third aspect could be a, a lot more chill than you've ever experienced before and i think that's an area that i've had to work on mm-hmm. um because i i would attach my identity to anything i was doing um yeah that's not always a good idea the workplace loves to do that yeah, they bloody right. love that they love mm. a person like i think I, right. I think me and you are similar mm. in this way yeah like i've got good buy-in I've said to people, if only bis- if only my previous workplace had treated me better, because I've got amazing buy-in. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like mm. I can really get mm. engaged and into it. Mm. But it, there is a risk, isn't there? there, there there's is a risk. risk that you lose yourself and yeah. you get to the same position again. Yeah. So a couple of things I just want to um, pick up. So one is cult hopping. We've not really talked about cult mm-hmm. hopping before, um, but there are there is a a risk, a risk. Just to fill this. Yeah. group need yeah that you know you suddenly i mean i used to believe that i had a worldwide brotherhood of brothers and sisters Mm. in any country you know and i think it was totally idealized and and unrealistic but that's what i thought so of course losing that can be big but i think a lot of people that not even just cult groups but people that have just left christianity Mm. generally will connect with that because there's this whole um you know as i've spoke about before lena saying that was one of the things she had to get Mm. over was you know, previously she thought, wherever I go, I can go to my church of people and get a warm cup of tea in my hand and a friendly mm. conversation. Yeah. And that's just gone now. Mm. Um, and that that's quite daunting. So wanting 
to get that back via yes. coat hopping is yep. is not surprising. But you know, obviously, I mean, obviously, we warn against it. I think it is a it is a a danger. It's a risk. How many do it realistically? I honestly don't know. It'd be interesting to get some data on that. How many people who've left a cultic group end up joining something else that's essentially doing the same sort of thing be very interesting to get some data on that Um, but i think you know theoretically at least there is there is a danger Mm -hmm. because you've not you've not really experienced a normal relationship to a group so you know people belong to groups yeah Yeah. you know we all belong to all sorts of groups um you know professionally we might belong to certain groups um we might be interested in as you said going to the gym or mm-hmm. um so we have membership mm-hmm. of lots of things but they're at a different level to the yeah. one you've had in the in the cult mm-hmm. so learning how to belong to how to be a member without it consuming or subsuming you mm-hmm. is something that you have to learn to do i think yeah yeah well it's like i feel like i have interests mm. you know and things that i could yeah link to but i don't feel like I don't feel like it would hurt me if someone mm. said, well, you I don't think, yeah, mm. or I don't think you're really that linked to that. Yeah. I'm, like, I, I'm yeah. more of that than you are. About. Cool. <laughs> okay. yeah. Yeah. I'm more vegetarian than you. Okay. <laughs> cool. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Because um, yeah. Yeah. I, I think in terms of, because even not relating to the bad things like cults, but in terms of good things as well, I think you put pressure on yourself as well to always be achieving and perfect at your Mm. in-group thing so it's like I'm someone that goes if I put so much like I'm a gym person and I will always go Mm. to the gym if I start dropping off of that am I going to feel like lack of um like am I going to feel bad about Mm. myself Mm. and you know is is it going to put me off going so I'm like I've not gone in a while so I want to kind of disconnect from Mm. that you know, having a bit more of like a loose association. Yeah, feels just a bit... getting used to that mm-hmm. is, is the is the journey, I think. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Nice. Okay, um, so that was really interesting. I mm. really enjoyed that conversation. Mm-hmm. It was, I don't know, it's kind of different, isn't it? Yeah. When we sat next to each other as well. Yeah, it's kind of... sometimes it's good, to be mm. fair. Probably a bit more free-flowing. Mm. Um, do we have time for a quick question unrelated to the current topic? Yes. I've been thinking about it. Okay. So... Thank you for listening to that portion. Welcome to Celine's question about culty stuff. Yeah. So I know somebody that's um, still a JW. Mm. And um, they, when they got their new job, said, I, I can't work Sundays because they've got the meeting. Yeah. And that was kind of agreed at the time. Mm. But subsequently they've said, well, you can't, we can't guarantee you'll always get Sundays right. off. And I was wondering, you know, my gut thing was to be like, that's really shit Mm. (laughs) actually that's actually really bad and because you know they they've they've said they'll do if it was up front agreed yeah Mm. even if it was verbal Mm. you know i still think that's quite rubbish Mm. um but then you've got this other thing in the background being like but i think the jw's are bad (laughs) (laughs) and and that that group is bad so maybe not being able to go every week wouldn't be so bad but i'm like but i don't really think Mm. that's not why they're not being allowed to go So I was just wondering, what do you think of that sort of thing? Well, uh, for me, it's it's a great question, but I think it's really simple. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think that people have an absolute right to mm-hmm. believe 
um, whatever they want to believe. And, and uh, I don't want to, um, to stop people being Jehovah's Witnesses yeah. if they want to do it, and that's that's mm-hmm. fine. So that's kind of irrelevant. Um, I have problems with the way that they treat people and how difficult mm-hmm. it is to leave. They're the problems. Um, but in terms of employment, in the UK, and I think it's similar in mm. most other sort of de- de- democracies, um, there's there's generally things called protected characteristics that, and in the UK mm-hmm. it's the 2010 law, that means that people's belief, you can't be uh, discriminated against mm-hmm. on the basis of these protected mm. characteristics. One of them is a religion. So you can't be discriminated against because you are a Muslim or because you are a Christian mm-hmm. or or because you are an atheist even. Lack of belief is included. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I, I think they're on, they're on a bit of a sticky wicket there. If yeah. that was agreed beforehand, there was a... Even uh, if it's a verbal agreement. Yeah, well, yeah. it doesn't matter, does it? If it's an agreement, the, the mm-hmm. difficulty would come proving yeah. it. But even if it was a verbal agreement, if if it was said, look, I can't work Sundays, that's that's the situation, mm-hmm. um, and they agreed to that, then I think they're on a bit of a... I, I mm. wouldn't like to be them in a tribunal, let's put it that no, way. No. Uh, I wouldn't like to be the company. I wouldn't like to be the organisation. Mm. There was a, a person that worked, that joined... A team I worked for um, many years ago, and he was a Muslim. Mm-hmm. Um, and he didn't say he needed to go to the mosque on a Friday. I think it was a Friday, um, whatever day it was. And then he said, "I need to go to that on mm. a Friday or something," which means I'm going to be late, or it means I mean I need to leave early every mm-hmm. Friday. That's different, I think. If you've not made that clear mm-hmm. before you started, then I think you know yeah. that would be a bit unreasonable but no i i definitely feel that people should stick to what, what mm-hmm. the agreement was yeah yeah that, that's my view yeah well i just thought it'd be mm. interesting yeah. conversation to have because mm. i think sometimes like it's this rights thing i suppose mm. we, we talk about how we don't agree with it but i just thought in the world what do we think should be happening you know in those yeah. sort of instances i thought that'd be interesting i think it's really just... important to um, protect people's yeah. right to to believe. Mm-hmm. Um, just it's a really fundamental thing. Of course, balancing rights is is always the tricky bit. So, one person's rights, if it impinges upon somebody else's rights, that's where we have a problem mm-hmm. with, say, like Jehovah's Witnesses. Their right to have a belief is absolutely very very important, but it's also a person's right to decide they don't believe it anymore and to leave mm-hmm. without terrible consequences. Yeah. So that's that's the bit that mm-hmm. that they get wrong. But no, I think it's um, it's really important to mm-hmm. to protect that in in a democracy. It's it, otherwise um, all sorts of rights would mm-hmm. start to to just disappear, wouldn't they? Mm-hmm. Um, I've got my own thing actually. I oh. wanted to introduce um, just before we go, and that is there's kind of a I'm going to do it as a kind of rolling thing. I think um, I said before that most of our listeners now are from the states. So they're double any other mm-hmm. group. And um, so, hi. All of America. All of America. <laughs> um, and the second biggest group is the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, and the third biggest group is Australia mm-hmm. and then Canada. And those four mm-hmm. are always the top four. Mm. But what's interesting is there's, there's a different fifth every oh, month really? yeah ah. so i thought we could do a little feature of, of who's the of fifth, who's the fifth. Yeah. yeah so last month the fifth biggest audience was interestingly india ah. so 
Hello, India. Hello. <laughs> Welcome. So if you're in, see if you can stay at number five. <laughs> yeah. So if you're Indian um, and listening from India, um, then yeah, drop us a drop us a note. It would be great to hear from you and tell us something about India um, and maybe why you why you're listening. Yeah, so yeah, nice India. One. Thank Welcome. you, India. Enjoyed <laughs> that. Yeah. Nice. So we'll see what see who it is next one. Um, the previous one, I think, was Mexico, and the previous one was Germany. Oh, so it's always a different country. Yeah. So I thought, yeah, let's do that. We'll have a feature on the fifth mm. biggest audience. Nice one. Okay. All right. Well, thank you very much, Celine. I've yeah. really enjoyed that chat. Nice one. I have no idea how long this one is either, because we can't see the time. That's yet. right. It's, so it yeah. might be really long. It could be really long. I've got to edit it now. We're doing this literally Friday afternoon, and the podcast comes out saturday morning yeah. so i've really got to crack on with the <laughs> editing that's because dad made the decision that he wanted the signs one to be a bonus so yeah well. yeah there you go <laughs> anywho um nice to to talk to you celine yep. and uh see you next week Bye-bye. bye bye Cult Hackers is an Evil Sheep production.